Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek! Hello, Governor. Welcome to So I Married a Movie Geek. I am Chrissy McQueen, I am, I am. And Justin Winters is on my left. And I am Mary Poppins. (laughs) And I have a handbag with lots of stuff in it. (laughs) You know, I feel like we are doing a disservice to our uh, listening public here, all six of you, by letting you think that we saw uh, Mary Poppins for some sort of Dick Van Dyke film, when indeed we did not. We saw... A Clockwork Orange and Blade Runner. That has nothing to do with the British accent, but A Clockwork Orange. Yar. They talk like pirates. They don't talk like pirates. I think that was one of my first notes. It, actually, it is. It's Bef- the first note. But first, before, wait. I know, but I just had to say, what's with the pirate before accent? you jump in the movies. Yeah. What is special about this week? Oh, I chose them. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. Do you remember you bitching last week about the fact that you never get to choose movies? Well, yeah. So except thanks for, for letting me choose them. Except for Feed the Fish. Feed the Fish is underrated. Okay? <laughs> it's it's perfectly rated where it is. No one knows about it. <laughs> you hated it. I thought it was okay. It's good for like a weekend movie when you're at home with hot chocolate and by yourself and killing time. Feed the Fish, not so bad. And killing yourself because it sucks. Come on. Are we really going to rehash Feed the Fish right now? So, after Kasim complaining last week, I was like, fine, then you pick two movies. But, so we didn't get another, like, (laughs) Feed the Fish double feature. (laughs) I was like, you need to pick from uh, Flick Chart Top 100. Yeah. Which means they're pretty popular movies that everyone should know. Well, I will say that based on this podcast... uh, you know, the whole premise of which is to see movies that I haven't seen that everybody else seems to have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I consulted the flick chart top 100, a lot of the movies were movies I had not seen back in the day, but had already now seen thanks to this podcast. Wow. Yeah, I was surprised. Great success. Great success. Yeah, no, I was looking and I was like, we can watch this. Oh, wait, no, we saw that. And I think we did a podcast on that. Okay, no, never mind. Wow, that's heartening. Well, I settled on um, A Clockwork Orange because everybody says that Stanley Kubrick is obviously a genius, and yet, although I said the word obviously... Was a genius. Oh. He's dead. Thanks. Well, I say genius, acting like I know what I'm talking about in that last sentence, but I don't, because I've never seen a Kubrick movie until now. What? You've seen Eyes Wide Shut? Oh, yeah. I forgot. (laughs) I forgot that was Kubrick. Okay. Never mind. I take back everything I just said. Um, I still don't understand Eyes Wide Shut. A lot of people don't understand Eyes Wide Shut. And I'm not sure if it went over my head or I just wasn't paying attention or it just wasn't that good. Maybe you need to rewatch it now. Now that I'm older. Now that you're older. It might make more I mean, sense than yeah. I did when I was like 19. And you're into naked secret orgies. I was into it back then, but I... <laughs> <laughs> 
but now more into it. No, I just didn't understand, like, how the whole ending, especially Nicole Kidman's last line in the movie, which I'm not going to reiterate in case you haven't seen it, but her very last line, and then all of a sudden there was credits, I went, como? Nice. Did you understand Eyes Wide Shut? Did I understand it? Yeah. Um, it was definitely, uh, a little strange. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but for me, it held my attention until, like, towards the very end, and then that's when it kind of just unraveled and didn't make sense anymore. Yeah, I think I need to rewatch it. Alright, maybe we'll do that. But, um, yeah. So you watch, so you chose the Clockwork Orange because everyone says that Stanley Kubrick is a genius. Yes. And you haven't seen this Stanley Kubrick film. Right. And, except for, as I now. And I felt, um, kind of silly not having seen, um, any of his work. Especially since it's supposed to have influenced so many movies thereafter and so many actors. And, you know, people say all the time, like, oh, Kubrick, da 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 And I'm like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. No, I don't. So, that was it. <laughs> and you even said, when, when we um, put on Netflix, you were like, wow, this movie got five full stars from Netflix viewers. That never happens. It's true. Average five stars. Wow. So, okay, so, and why did you choose Blade Runner? Um, as we have made no secret of, on the last few podcasts, we have mentioned The Hunger Games, and I'm very into dystopian novels and movies in general, Mm -hmm. and I was kind of jonesing for something a little dystopian. Whoa, okay. And, um, honestly, when I found Clockwork Orange, the reason I had even found it, I think, was because I had done keyword dystopian on flick chart and they called it dystopian and i was kind of like is it really i in retrospect by the way and we'll talk about this i don't really think it was but it is okay but we'll, we'll argue that in a minute but then i, I mean, found blade was, runner placed based it, on that it was it's it's a lot it's older it's an older film so well yeah it's dystopian view uh view was like you know probably like 10 years ago or something like <laughs> the future <laughs> 1990. No. 1991. It's like 82. 90. Huh? Blade Runner? No, I'm talking about uh, Clockwork Orange. It's a much oh. older movie. Right, right, right. 1971. So it's, it's looking to the future was much, you know, longer. Right, but see, we might as well just get into this now. I didn't feel, I never got once that they... We're trying to convey that this movie took place in the future. Oh, yeah? Never. Not even one time. I remember thinking at one point that um, the color was very nice. And I was like, this is, you know, a well-shot film for 1971. But when did they ever make it clear that this was supposed to be happening in the future? Well, just the... uh, I mean, you don't want to be walking down the street and always get mugged. And, like, there's just a lot of different... I'll get I'll get into it in a second. But what did you think about it before we overall as a movie? Um, I thought it was good. It's definitely one of those movies where you cannot, you know, zone out for five minutes and then come back in and be because then you'll be like, "What the hell?" So what, you didn't zone out at all? No, I didn't zone out of this one. It held my attention, unlike the latter film, which we'll discuss. But you know, Clockwork held my attention mainly because. Uh, I do well with movies that are narrated in general. I like narration movies. You like to be force fed what you're seeing? No. I just like. You want everything explained for you? No. Like Clarissa? 
Well, I do love I do love me some Clarissa, but it's not that I need the explanation as much as I enjoy getting almost like a, a separate side to it. Even though it's the same person, you're getting it from a different viewpoint as opposed to what you're seeing. You're getting an interior monologue. Got it. So that's why I enjoy movies that have some sort of narration going on. In general, of course, there are exceptions to that. When I first saw this movie, um, I wish that I had um, subtitles when I watched it. But I didn't. oh yeah, it's really hard to understand for the first five minutes, ten minutes, with, with, I mean, hour. They, they use like a, um, a fake uh, like language, like they combine like a little bit of Russian and like a little bit of British. And as a kid from the South, I was like, I don't know what this is. I cannot understand this. <laughs> I love that, by the way, you call British its own language. They combine Russian and British. A little Cockney. No, yeah, Cockney, but English. Uh, I honestly thought it was just slang from, like, the 60s or 70s that I was just unfamiliar with. The cer- ser- seriously, like, the certain words I didn't quite get. I'm like, that must have been the slang back then. Um, but I understood most of it. I mean, you, if you get the gist of it. Yeah, even if it would have been like a total foreign language, you can pretty much get what's going on with the story with the people's actions. Well, it is a very visual movie. Shall we put that out there? It's a visual movie? It is! One of those visual movies! (laughs) Those are my favorite. Because I love to watch them. (laughs) And they're visual. All the blind people out there who go to the movies and need the listening devices are very upset with you right now. No, but um, the reason I say that is because they don't sugarcoat anything. You know, when somebody's getting raped, somebody's getting raped. Yeah, it does get a little bit rapey um, several times throughout the movie. And he has a rapist wit. It's true. He does. I I I thought... (laughs) What? No, go ahead. You know, it was like uh, they were going to give it an uh, X rating or whatever. So. I was going to ask about that because I was going to say we as being children of the 80s and 90s respectively uh, are kind of desensitized to violence. And unfortunately, especially I think violence against women, it's part of our kind of culture growing up. And, you know, at least I think I, I'm, you know, my, my generation is a little desensitized to it. I am shocked. That they got away with putting that in such an early 70s movie. I mean, they were like fresh out the 60s. How did that pass, the MPAA? Well, I, uh, I don't know. I wasn't around back then, but... You weren't? It was a controversial film, man. Yeah? Lots of... Um, there's lots of dicks and, and boobs in this movie, man. They're like all over the wall. There's like art. Like the infamous... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorites as a kid, um, of course, was the infamous, um, the woman that had the the penis that rocked. That was a pretty rocking penis. The penis art that rocked, and then she got bludgeoned to death with the penis art, so. And, it, but the, the weird thing is, is, because it rocked it, you know, you would think that it was kind of like a hollow piece of art. <laughs> You're like, no, that penis was full of stuff. It did seem engorged. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> And then when he bludgeoned her with it, as you so eloquently put it, I was kind of surprised. And I'm all about, you know, the technicality and suspension of disbelief. And I'm like, how was he able to bludgeon her to death with that? I think it was hollow and kind of bouncy. (laughs) 
you didn't get the whole her opening her mouth and him like trying to shove it in her mouth. Yeah. Oh, I got that. Yeah, but it wouldn't fit. Huh? It wouldn't fit. So well, that's why she got killed, <laughs> and it wasn't bouncy, so it didn't just bounce off her. It seemed like it rocked with buoyancy. <laughs> <laughs> you were mesmerized by this penis art. I wasn't mesmerized by it so much as I was trying to figure out what it was made of. I think it was ceramic. Let's speaking of um, what things are made of. At one point, one of the main characters gets beaten with a police baton. And it was so blatantly rubber. It was like practically bouncing off of his body. It was like, I'm going to hit you. Boom. God, you're, you're a freaking stickler about this. You're like, all right, if you're going to get beaten, make sure it's not rubber. <laughs> I want to see someone get their ass beat down. No, because likewise, um, in the same, you know, movie, the guy kicks one of his friends into, um, it's like a riverbank. And you can literally see the muscle in his thigh vibrate when it runs in, when his leg runs into its target. So you know he kicked him. Okay, it's realism. I right suppose, there. but there's kicking, and then there's hitting with a you know a police metal baton. Are batons supposed to be metal? Or, or whatever. What, what are they really? Are they like I don't know why, but in my head I feel like they should be wooden. Wooden baton. <laughs> It's like a peg leg. <laughs> you just take it out and you're like, Ayar, I beat you with this. I beat you with my cotton candy baton. Can we talk about the pirate accents? I mean, really, though. In the beginning, what are you pirates. What are you talking about pirate accents? No, they even call them out on it. Like, the first gr- the, the main gang that we're acquainted with, um, mm-hmm. which is Alex and his little cronies. There's four of them total. Yeah. And they wear all white and, you know, these weird sort of, like, uh, penis protection gear things and they fake get, noses. They get their penis masks. Yeah. And they walk around and, you know, basically rape and pillage and apparently murder. They're hoodlums, um, pretty much. Uh, see, and I think of hoodlums as such a nicer term. Like, oh, you little hoodlum. <laughs> Until you get beat, <laughs> bludgeoned in the face with a giant ceramic <laughs> penis. Yeah. And then uh, they run into another gang who, gang who is basically doing the same thing. And there's like a brief West Side Story confrontation except with less singing and dancing and more beating and blood. And they... Beat it! Beat it! <laughs> it's not Michael Jackson. There's a... They have the thing and beat it too. You remember with the knives? No. Nope, the... But okay. No? No. Okay. Anyway, they... I'm sure that's probably true. Um, they all have pirate accents, and in fact, one guy from one gang says to one guy in the other gang, oh, you pirates, you got the mooty, or something like that, and I was like, oh, they're talking like pirates on purpose? Was it a gang thing? Pirate gangs? I don't, I I don't know anything about that. Okay. Alright, so let's move on to other things that I wrote. Score equals weird, but then so is this movie. The score drove me crazy. Not when it was being uh, Mozarty and Beethoven. That's different. I'm talking about when they were doing like the the synth. There's like a special word for the synth too. I don't remember what it is because of the name. But it was so obnoxious, and I was like, "Will they please stop killing people with like this weird Phantom of the Opera or yeah, it's cat like, synth?" It's Mugian, like like the like electronic sounding. They had that too. You don't like that? No. You like your 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 music. Mozarty or Beethoveny, as you called it. <laughs> well, there were <laughs> there were hints of that, um, and later on, more than hints, like actually hitting you in the face with Beethoven's penis. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, when it was all like synth, I kind of like the synth. Do you really? Yeah. Why? 
what did you want? Some like, what did you want? Some like rhythm and blues? What what did you want? (laughs) No, I wanted a score. Damn it. A score? Yeah, like. That was a a score. A real score. That was a real score. No, it wasn't. (laughs) I mean, explain yourself. (laughs) One with real instruments that you don't plug into a wall. So, not like an electric guitar? <laughs> Maybe. But no. Some You want some the, some flute action, pretty much. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, like, it could have been a little more like James Horner. <laughs> Alright. I don't think, you know what? I don't think A Clockwork Orange would have been <laughs> that, like, controversial and, um... You know, hard putting if it would have had the Titanic score behind it. <laughs> I don't know. The song Never an Absolution would have worked really well at one point. Like after he realizes he's killed her and it's in slow motion and he's like going to get caught. When you can't hear in the background. I like the, I like the synth score. So I'm like. <laughs> really? That's not what it sounds like. I just... <laughs> it sounds like Tweedledee or Tweedledum waddling. I just love that you you have to give, like, the facial... You're like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> That's what it is. Too bad this is not a visual podcast. Yeah, because ding, ding, imitation bell. No, Chrissy... The score looked like this. Describe what I'm doing for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you look like an Oompa Loompa. Yes! exactly what I meant. You know what? What? She's never seen <laughs> Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. I've seen pieces of it. You, like, the trailer, pretty much. What? Like, I was, like, singing one of the songs from it, and you're like, what is that? I'm like, it's from... No. Again, pieces. Okay. Anyway. Like a Oompa Loompa. That's what, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Maybe that, like, maybe one or two songs, but the rest was, like, really intense, man. Yeah, the rest was, it was like, I think you should do a score for a film <laughs> where you just you sp- spoken word pretty much you I- imitating I other scores. Synth, 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 synth. Can I do drums too? Where I'm like. You have, yeah, definitely, that's your calling. That's, I know. You should just quit, right? quit your job now and go into, you know. I could do a banjo. <laughs> My favorite ones, though, are when I don't even try to imitate the sound of the instrument. I just, like, say what they are, like, piano, 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 Okay, so you didn't like the score to A Clockwork Orange. Not really. What did you think of... Except when it got Beethoven and Mozart, then I was okay. Well, you know, they had to get Beethoven and, and Mozart because there was, you know, this extreme graphic violence going on. And if you were to have, you know, like, dark, more dark score through the whole thing, you'd be like, I want to kill myself. So instead, they used the Mozart and Beethoven music to kind of like. Beethoven was like. Lighten um, it up a little. You're like, okay, somebody's getting raped, but at least we have Mozart or Mozart. Beethoven. <laughs> Beethoven was kind of like. Beethoven's um, night. Beethoven was like another character in this movie. L- Ludwig, von, Ludwig von, as they call him. 
Good old Ludwig Vaughn. Yeah, he was um, his own character. But do you know... I thought of uh, Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, but I could see how you would. <laughs> Synth, too. Um, yeah. Synth. 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 Do you know what I'm really glad they didn't totally screw up with Synth? What? I'm singing in the rain. Well, that's the most pop. That's the most notable scene of this whole movie that everyone, if they think of Clockwork Orange, they think of that. As they should. And the thing is, word on the streets, the street, streets equals the internet's and Wikipedia. Oh, like the word on Magnolia. Wikipedia books <laughs> and all this stuff is that. Um, that he just started singing that out of the blue. Malcolm McDowell was when they were filming this. And it wasn't originally meant to be like it was. It was like one of those, you know. Like just on the spot improvisations? Yeah. Yeah, he just started singing it and doing it. And he didn't plan on singing Singing in the Rain when he was beating the one guy and raping the girl? Nope. He, he did that. And then uh, the story goes is like the next day, Kubrick was like buying the rights to Singing in the Rain so they could have it in the movie. Like, so wait a minute. It's brilliant. Did he act did he do it during like a rehearsal or something? And then that's when they were like, this is great. Because I would assume if he already had done it. I think it was just on the spot. Like yeah. it was already in the can and Kubrick said we're going to keep it. Well, they didn't have a lot of money for this movie. Like this was very like DIY, like do it yourself, fly on the, you know, just shooting. Cause, surprising. So it is surprising because it, it looks. I'm actually looks shocked amazing. that that was an accidental thing because later on it comes back to haunt him. And, and I was so mad watching him sing, singing in the rain in the bathtub in the guy's, same guy's house. I was like, how does he not realize what he's singing? And you, at least, or I was going to say you as the audience member, maybe not you specifically, but me, when I was watching it, I, I thought that that is why Mr. Alexander, the old cripple uh, who owned the house, I thought that that's when the light bulb went off for him. And then he went, that was oh my light, God. That was when the light bulb went off for him. Well, had, you know, Kubrick not included this or had Malcolm not improvised that, what would have been the bell that would would have gone off for him? Whatever else he would have sung, I guess. I don't know what originally he was supposed to sing. Oh, he was supposed to. I thought maybe he just wasn't supposed to sing and was just supposed to be like, I'm beating you. I'm raping you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beating you. I'm raping you. End of scene. And then later on in the bathtub, he could be like, I'm beating. I'm raping. <laughs> and they'd be like, hey, it's that guy. The beady, rapey guy. Because he's alternative version of a clockwork orange <laughs> sounds like a mess of a film. You asked me to write something down for you, so I did. I, did, I didn't ask you to write something down for yes, you. Yes, you did. You, you, asked me, you asked me to write down scary Jesus ceramics. Oh, dude, there's some scary Jesus ceramics in this movie. Wait, when were they? Oh, towards the beginning. Yeah, it's like a, um, a crucified Jesus with like the blood and everything, but it's in threefold. So it's three crucified bloody Jesuses. Arm in arm in arm, like a chorus line. Yeah. It's scary. I was kind of expecting one of them to kick up a leg. Because they all have the one bent knee. <laughs> no? No. <laughs> it's, it, they could have done to singing in the rain. How's, that's sacrilegious, Christy. That's not... No. Hey... Jesus Christ Superstar was an actual show, okay? And it's not sacrilege. Were there, were there crazy Jesus ceramics in that, too? Um, no. Yeah, I don't know. So what did you think of Malcolm McDowell's performance? 
he was great. Uh, he has the most sinister blue eyes. Yes. I think I've ever seen. Blue eyes are interesting in in film, and in real life, but in film because they could, depending on who is doing it, could either be so kind, or so cold, and his was a cold that bordered on maniacal. Yes. And it was interesting because he didn't even have to open up his mouth certain times. He just looked at somebody. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I don't want to be the person he's looking at because he's probably going to rape me or kill me. I'm going to rape you. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> You're right. Singing in the rain was an improvement. Sit, 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 sit. <laughs> no, he is ama- like, <laughs> amazing in this movie. Like from the first shot, that long shot of him just staring ahead. Oh, yeah. Whether at that bar drinking their milk drinks. Right. You're just like, whoa, this guy is staring into my soul. Not just staring into your soul, like lasciviously staring into your soul. Like, obviously they needed someone, an actor that can just convey pure evil just by looking at you. So if that was, you know, the major casting note they pretty much what else has he been in hit it on the head huh what else has he been in malcolm mcdowell yes i'm trying to think of something i can't think of anything that you would have seen okay he's he's really good though that's true he's good um what do you think about this whole kind of theme that they have going on um that violence breeds violence well you know uh it's weird that we're talking about this now now that there's there's currently a huge riot in in london London going on um but yeah i mean violence does often breed more violence so would you say you're a pacifist would i say i'm a pacifist yes not necessarily. Are you a pacifist? Um, I've always kind of subscribed to the eye for an eye thing. <laughs> and I love when you say this. You're like, I usually, I even if we're talking about, because we've talked about um, the death uh, penalty yeah. and all that stuff. It always comes back to eye for an eye and the movie eye for was it the movie? Yes. With with Kiefer with, Sutherland. Sally Field and Kiefer Sutherland. Oh man. I love that you have to reference that every time. Like it was like it's almost like it was a famous court case or something. <laughs> You're like, Eye for an eye, Sally Field v Kiefer Sutherland. Hey. That's where I learned everything about, you know. First of all, may I just tell you, I didn't even bring up the movie. You did. I was just gonna say an eye for an eye. Like, that's it. But then you brought up this time the movie. No, I'm talking about that. Anytime we have a discussion about the death penalty or like... In life? Yeah. You bring up the movie Eye for an Eye. Not always. Often. I wasn't going to do it this time. You love that movie though. I don't love it so much as it is like I can't turn away. Kind of like the same way that you love... Selena? Nazis? I don't... Okay. (laughs) Shut your face. First of all. Second of all, I don't love Nazis. Here's the thing. Oh, dear. Chrissy means well. and But a couple years ago, we were having a conversation, and she... We were talking about... I guess we were talking about Schindler's List or something. No, we were talking about history. History. And Chrissy's like, you know what I love? Nazis. 
And I was like, what? <laughs> I did not say it like that. <laughs> this is like three years until we've been dating. I was like, oh my God. First of all, I'm part Jewish, okay? I, I know. So unless I'm a masochist. No, she wasn't She wasn't meaning it in the way that she like loves them, but she's very interested in, you know, programs or... Uh, Literature, programs? literature, I'm very interested in the Nazi history. Programs. No, like History Channel. Like, you know, the Hitler Juden. <laughs> Nazi programs. Why did I sound like my mom or something there? You're Nazi like, programs. Yeah, she's very into you know programs. TV, television, movies about Nazis. Basically, it's like I have three fears in life. Nazi zombies. And we've discussed this in the past, but earthquakes, cockroaches, and Nazis. And recently, a friend asked me, what if there was an earthquake and a cockroach burst in the door like a life-size one, and he offered to save you, but he was actually a Nazi. And I was like, how would I know he's a Nazi? He's like, I don't know. He's the armband arm on his antler or something. But like, you know, this roach is a Nazi. He's got a little mustache. But there's a huge earthquake gonna happen, like happening. Would you let him like save you? And I was like, I don't think I would. <laughs> and that's how the whole thing started. But basically, since I was a kid, I was really into history of World War II, history of the Holocaust. Yes, history of the you know Nazi regime. I do not love Nazis. Okay, when I was in college, I did take a course actually called History of the Holocaust, and it sounds incredibly depressing and sad, but it was a very interesting class. And I have the book, Nazis, A Warning from History, and I watched the whole History Channel series. Wow. Yep. I need to take you to the Nazi Museum in D.C. I keep trying to get you to come with me to the Museum of Tolerance. The Museum of Tolerance? Yeah. Screw that shit. That does not sound very tolerant. I know. I've never been. What's at the Museum of Tolerance? Really? I don't want to go. It's amazing. Amazing? It's amazing. It doesn't sound amazing. They have exhibit- it sounds boring. It's they need not- to have a new name for it. What? The, the history of horrible war crimes. The museum. I go to that over the the Museum of Tolerance. Well, no. Well, there's a whole section on, like, civil rights from the 60s, which is why, you know, like, it's tolerance overall. Oh, okay. And then there's, um, there, you actually go downstairs at one point, and it's, like, literally, like, a life-size version of um, a Nazi concentration camp uh, bunker. That doesn't sound fun at all. And you go down like you're in it. I don't want to go to that. It's it's it's, it's too, it'll make your hair stand up on end, but it's amazing. No, doesn't sound fun. It's amazing. No, changed my life. Not evidently. Fun. I went in there in junior high. So what if you went down? You like went down to it. Your hair started to stand up, and then you're like, you hear synth, 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 synth. I'm gonna rape you now. <laughs> Guy looks like Malcolm Dow comes down. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bludgeon you with this penis uh, ceramic thing. I would feel like my worlds are colliding. How do we get on the subject? I don't. You love Nazis. No. Um. So, so we like Malcolm McDowell. Oh, violence breeds violence. Violence breeds violence. That's what because you're talking about London. Is that the theme of this movie? Violence breeds violence. Well, because think about it for a minute. My, um, I think the main Mike, Malcolm McDowell uh-huh. uh, and his gang are obviously incredibly violent in all the crimes that they you know perpetuate, and then he gets caught, gets quote end quote, which we'll get into, rehabilitated, and uh, the people who are even doing the rehabilitation seem a little. Kind of like, yeah, get him, stick it to him. You could see the pleasure on their faces when he's suffering in uh, this kind of staged display of how he's been rehabilitated. 
And then later on, his old friends, which, yeah, I know were psychotic to begin with, but even in their role as police officers, you know, brutally beat him. And then later on, people seeking revenge get off. They, yeah. You can see it on their face. They literally get off on watching somebody else suffer, even if they deserve it, which I get. Yeah. So it, it's violence breeds violence breeds violence, vicious cycle. Yeah. Okay. See that? Thank oh. you. Or what is what does good mean? What is a good person? You know, it's, yeah. ask Candace Cameron Bure. I don't know. <laughs> Go to good is not good enough. Are, are people inherently? Can people be inherently evil, or do they become that way because of their upbringing? Well, it's nature versus nurture. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think that people, on the whole? are generally and genuinely good or generally and genuinely not good and motivated either way by forces. Forces? Well, like if they're... Like the force? Well, yes, like Star Wars. Now, like, if you're saying that people are gen- generally and genuinely good, then you're also thinking that, you know, to a certain percentage of the population, bad things happen either to them or around them that cause them to, you know, kind of, like, switch mm-hmm. and, you know, do bad things. Or do you think that people are generally not so inherently good, maybe even bad, and there are checks and balances to keep them in line and to keep them controlled, and that's why we have some semblance of law and order and morals, quote-unquote, just because they're kind of like, you know, not, they're, they're shepherded into submission. Nice, yeah. What do you think? Can it just be both ways? Well, yeah, but generally people have a skew, you know, a view anyway. Like, do you think people are generally inherently good or generally inherently not good? I think that they're inherently gray. Like, they can go... They're trans- like a touch of gray? Like a touch Just of gray. Just for men? Just for men, yes. Nice. That's what I thought. <laughs> they start out gray, and then they have to dye their hair um, from the start. Um... No, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you know, I hope you always hope that people are inherently good, and then you run into the few bad apples that make you think otherwise. See, and I the 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 people that grow up, you know, with a great family, you know, all you know, great upbringing, and then they turn around and they kill people. Right. I'm and going put to put them in the fridge. Okay, Dahmer. I'm going to uh, give you a kind of an oxymoron view of it and go the opposite route and say, I think that people are inherently not good, but they are incredibly self-motivated. Mm-hmm. So, when, you know, it's like a kid when you, and also like animals, like when you're training a dog, they tell you to do a reward-based, you know, system for, of discipline as opposed to um, like hardcore discipline because it's it's better to, you know, teach them that way. I feel like the same is true. Like Caesar Milan? Yes. I feel like the same is true of um, our human race on the whole. I mean, think about it this way. We have checks and balances of law and religion and things like that to control the masses. Mm-hmm. And um, you get a payoff. When you do good things for other people, I know on the surface it's like, I'm doing something nice for you because I'm a nice person, but this isn't about me. It's about you. I'm doing this nice thing for you. Mm-hmm. They get a payoff. People, it's a... It's a psychological thing. People don't do anything without a payoff. And the payoff is that they feel good about themselves. They feel like they are, they're good people. They free will. Free will and choice. Like, what's worse is, is um, you know, the 
Alex at the beginning who chooses to be evil all the time and, you know, rape and kill people. Or the, you know, the Clockwork Orange version of Alex at the end where he's been, you know, rehabilitated into this, you know. Um, I actually like the rehabilitated Alex. And I know, <laughs> I really did. And I was thinking, God, this would be great. Why can't we do this? And then, yeah, I know he jumps out of the window because he's like, I can't take in because it went wrong. And yeah, I'm sure that could happen, but I would, I would, I would still be on board to continue with it. I thought it was a good idea. Yeah? It really did. You're evil. Not evil. It's a great way. We control the masses in so many ways. Why not control them this way? So they can be free and not in jail where we're spending thousands and thousands of dollars a year. So you're okay with putting... Taxpayers. Putting them in the... With the... The eye open. He volunteered thing? for it. He volunteered for it. Had he not volunteered, had he not signed off on it himself, that's different. You don't just, you know, impart this what could be conceived as, you know, torturous thing. Could be conceived. Yeah, could be. Could be. It hurt me to watch that for his eyes. Like, yeah, well I'm sure the eye part wasn't very fun, but <laughs> but That's what I'm talking about. Well, but the, You're talking about watching like the the Dude, violence you, and stuff? If you get LASIK done, you're going to have that in your eye. Huh? If you get LASIK done, they, they're going to put that in your eye. Not like he does it. And I won't be forced to watch, How like, do you know? How do you know that they don't faces put... Faces of death. How do you know they don't put faces of death up on the screen while you're getting LASIK surgery? And, they, and they're like, you're just having surgery. And you're like, oh my god! So, while we were watching that scene where he... Which, by the way, I think they screwed up his eyes while they were doing it. Really? Was it CGI, CGI, CGI stuff? Wow. They were actually pulling his eye. They had like the metal clamps. Yeah, like they had to hold his eye, and they had the person with the Celine solution drops. stuff. So we already figured out if Chrissy was in that same situation, they would be playing Mariah Carey music while forcing her to watch Nazis, which I apparently don't parenthetically <laughs> love. <laughs> oh, so they make you hate Nazis? That's what this is. Dude, they have like Titanic playing, interspersed with Nazis, interspersed with um, like uh, sweets, vegan sweets being made. Puppies and rainbows and unicorns and musical theater. (laughs) I hate puppies now. One day it's all Sondheim. God, if they did that to me with Sondheim, I'd be really upset. Yeah. Really upset. More upset than Mariah Carey. Yeah, because Mariah Carey, uh, although I love her, and she I makes me want to jump out this her. window. No, it's just that like that's ruining one person and one you know catalog of albums. If you ruin Sondheim for me, you ruin a huge part of musical theater and so many different shows and emotions. Can't do it. Okay. What would they ruin for you? What would they ruin for me? Yeah, what would be your like tipping point of ruination? We talking about music? No, just, or, well, anything, like, you know, where you had to have your eyes, like, basically held open to watch something, and they made you feel nauseous while you were watching it, so then you would be conditioned to hate it. So it's something I already love? Yeah, it's like a punishment. Um. Movies in general? (laughs) Big Brother, because I love it. We can't get into that, man. We can't. This, this will be a three-hour-long podcast if we start getting into our Big Brother obsession. Or, I don't know. Some of my favorite movies, I guess. Not Nazis. 
because I don't love them. I feel like I'm more obsessive in my personality about things. I I latch on to things more than you. Like, there are more things that they could ruin for me. They could ruin, you know, like I said, that whole, like, you know, obsession with history. They could ruin Leonardo DiCaprio movies. They could ruin Mariah Carey. They could ruin the whole genre of musical theater for me. I don't feel like you have as obsessive of a focus as I do on things. It's true. You know, you're more gray. Hey, thanks. I think. Well, it's a good thing in the long run. Like, if they arrested you and they were like, we are going to ruin this for you. You can't ruin anything for me. I'm so gray. <laughs> synth, synth, synth. <laughs> synth, synth. Exactly. Or, you know, they put the eye thing on me and they'd play the music and then they'd come up with something that I actually love, but I'd be like, I'd be like, I hate this. Why are you playing this? This I already hate this, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whatever. Let's talk about, um, for a, a quick second, when they have the big reveal. Basically, after they rehabilitate him in these horrible ways that we've discussed, they have, like, a big reveal where he gets to stand on a stage and, and they, um, you know, like, show the whole audience, like, hey, look how rehabbed he is. We're going to put, you know, bait on stage and see if he reacts. Like, they make one guy tell him off and kick his butt and you think that he's going to, you know, retaliate, but he can't because he feels physically ill. Yeah. Then they put this, like, almost entirely naked chick on stage and I'm like, what? A real rapist, a real rapist, if they were on stage right now, wouldn't, even if they're an actual rapist, would not rape somebody on stage. It's not like... If they're hardcore, they will. Oh, come on. (laughs) I mean... I'm gonna rape you. In front of all these people. In front of all these people. I mean, like, honestly, who does that? I mean, rapists are horrible members of our society. But, you know, you can't parade a naked person around in front of them on a stage and then have them be like, I'm gonna go rape her now. That was silly that they baited him that way. And even then, his character took the bait, which was ridiculous. Yeah, silly rape bait. I mean, seriously. That's all I have to say. Wow. So, any other um, views on Clockwork Orange? Nine! No? Well, I feel like we got pretty in-depth there when we talked about violence, breeding violence, you know, and can you really be rehabilitated from being a bad person? Are you inherently bad or inherently good? I think we got pretty into the nitty-gritty. Blue eyes. Blue eyes being... So, what would be your final grade for uh, Clockwork Orange? Uh, A minus. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a great film. It's a great film. It's, and like a lot of Kubrick films, um, I mean, this is only the second one you've seen, but the more you watch it, the more you get, you, you know, recognize things you might have missed. You know? Oh, I'm sure. Like the whole drinking of the wine thing and being poisoned. And the fact that there's penises and boobs everywhere. Oh, I, I wrote lesbian pop art on my notepad because I was like... It's like everywhere. It's pop art all over the place of vaginas and boobs, mostly. Occasional penis pops in there, but mostly lesbian pop art. Yep, it's it's true. It's true. What was your grade for the movie? Oh, it's definitely A. That's what I thought. Yeah. But it's not my favorite Kubrick film. What is your favorite? Um, Probably The Shining, just because it like totally scared the crap out of me when I was a kid and stuff. Would I be scared? Would you be scared? I don't know. We're going to make you watch it. We'll see. I want to see 2001. Um, not as scary, but also good. Well, I know all about it. My mom used to tell me that as a kid, and it freaked me out in a delicious sort of way, where I'd be like, ooh, that sounds delicious. Delicious. Not like edible, but like where you go, that's great. I want to devour that movie. I want to gobble it up. Of course you do. 
So, okay. Let's talk about Blade Runner. Okay. All right. What's your spiel on Blade Runner? Well, I'm going to turn to my page of notes that I have. Now, don't go through notes. Just tell me general, like, yay or nay, what you thought. It wasn't as good as I thought it would be. Okay. I'd heard, you know, terms associated with it, like, cult classic. And before we go into this, Chrissy saw the director's cut of Blade Runner, which is infamous for, number one, not having the the narration by Harrison Ford's character, which was, like, the worst part about the whole movie, the original film. And then there was also um, a couple scenes added, um, most notorious of which is the famous unicorn scene. Famous unicorn scene? Yeah, there's a unicorn scene um, inserted into the movie uh, when uh, Deckard is, I think, like, daydreaming at a piano. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, um, there was narration in the original and I didn't get narration? Yeah, at the point when you're like, I love narration at the beginning of the podcast. No, you wouldn't have liked this like narration. It was like the worst narration ever. Number one, it was badly written. Number two, Harrison Ford. Um, you know when Harrison Ford doesn't seem to be interested in things? Yes. And he can get kind of mumbly? Yes. So pretty much the narration was like, I'm reading... You let yourself get too hungry, whether you're attempting to save your... He just get It's just really, like, <laughs> puts you to sleep. And since you already insinuated that you fell asleep or whatever during Blade Runner, it probably wouldn't have been good. It didn't need... The, it didn't need the narration. It's true. So... Well, I mean, I know that it was, I, like... In my opinion. I, I know that it's a dystopian thing, and I'm fine with that. Like I said, in fact, I enjoy the genre. Mm-hmm. And it was very um, neo-noir... Mm-hmm. But did it have to be so damn dark? I mean, visually, not like, you know, figuratively speaking here. Like, it was literally dark all the time. But, dude, talking about a movie that holds up because where where is our nation going now? <laughs> look at look at, look at at Blade Runner. Every, it's like, obviously, global warming has totally changed the climate. Yeah. In Los Angeles. Oh, everywhere. Number two, the corporations run everything. There's advertisements everywhere. Everything's sponsored. You know, there's a a blimp with this Asian woman cackling all the time, saying things. And, like, spotlights. It feels like you're always being watched by the government and Big Brother. Big Brother. <laughs> by the way, do you know that our temperature now in Los Angeles... Like jumps, literally, I'm not kidding. We have a 30 degree span in the course of four hours. When I went to work this morning, it was 69 degrees, like the entire ride to work. It's 10 in the morning. What does this have to do with Blade Runner? You said global warming. Yeah. And by one o'clock, it was um, almost 100, 100 degrees in the valley. So by 2019, Los Angeles, melting pot, you know, you Chrissy kept commenting at the fact that. Deckard spent most most of his time in Chinatown throughout the whole movie. I don't understand. Like Los Angeles is a big town, you know, and I guess a lot of it's now not even on the ground anymore. Why is Deckard just stop by the Grove or something? See some white people for a change. I don't care what kind of people they are. (laughs) Just notice that everything was written in Japanese or Chinese characters, and I was like, at first I was like, did they shoot this in Japan or something? And they're trying to make it like seem like it's Los Angeles because if so, they're failing. And you were like, first of all, it's Chinatown, stupid. 
you know, a lot of people have left the planet because it's so polluted, you know. You would think the Asians would be the first group to leave. They'd be like, we're smart, we're out of here. No, they're, they're like, they're smart. They're making the money off the people that are left. They're not scavengers. <laughs> okay, so you, you you didn't like that it was so dark. You wanted um, you wanted your noir more or less noiry apparently. <laughs> can I tell you that this is exactly why I didn't like Dark City when I saw it? Dude, Dark City was obviously took a lot from Blade Runner. I know, and, and I realized that about fifteen minutes too late, like into the movie, I was like, "This is going to be another Dark City for me." I was so excited in college when in my film class they were like, "We're going to see Dark City. It's it's a negative utopia movie," and I was like, "Ooh, in my wheelhouse!" And they we, they talked about it, and then we saw it, and I was like, "I can't wait for this to be over." Actually, oh my god, can I tell you that's one of the earliest? It's your that- idea of like a dystopia, like Care Bear Land or something? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Why is it so dark? Why is this dystopia so dark? Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky is not a dystopian movie. Why not? Um, <laughs> but can I tell you that Dark City is one of the earliest movies that I can remember actively falling asleep in? I love that you're you're profoundly disappointed that Dark City was dark. <laughs> Only Chrissy. I could see you like at a movie theater going to see Dark City and like. Just getting up in the middle and be like, why is it so dark? I want my money back. And it's like, where is the dialogue? Why is this Why is this more light like Vanilla Sky? <laughs> the king of dystopian films. <laughs> Have you even seen Vanilla Sky? Yes. Okay. Um, what are you doing over there? I was laughing really hard. I think I knocked something knocking down. Knocking stuff over. But, I mean, seriously, it's supposed to take place in Blade Runner is in November 2019. Where are the flying cars? We've got eight years to get on that. What, I'm profoundly disappointed in our, you know, technological advances as well. I noticed. I'm like, you know what they basically did with um, the technological thing? They did, like, advanced robotics and hardware, but nothing, like, nothing was digital. Like, nothing was even close to being correct. <laughs> Like it was what? like a DOS program and basically hooked up an EKG to it and was like, this is a this is a supercomputer. And then put a laser on it. So they did like a lot of advanced robotics, basically, like I said, but and that was supposed to indicate the future. I don't know. I like I like I watch it, I haven't seen it in a while and it I think it still holds up. Do you really? Yes. What? Yes. I see, and I feel the exact opposite. I feel like when it came out, I would have probably said, this is ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Or because it was the early 80s. I would have been like, oh my god, this is totally ahead but, of its time. But, but look at all the other dystopian films since then that have t- cribbed from it. You Minority know? Report did a little bit, I will say. Matrix, Minority Report, um, Dark City. Yeah. But Matrix is dark and holds up. Minority Report is dark and holds up. I feel like this doesn't. Actually, I mean, I like it's weird. Like I said, it's dichotomous because I feel like it genuinely was ahead of its time, and especially in the eighties, maybe even up until like nineteen ninety three, could have still been very like ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. But then technology and and also movie making caught up. Hmm. We well, up. you know, I'm sure they'll re- remake this eventually, like they're remaking everything under the sun. Yeah, reboots are popular. So today they announced they're remaking Dirty Dancing, everyone, so... I heard that. 
not okay with it. My mom's going to be so disappointed. I'm disappointed. Um, let's discuss how, um, if you haven't seen Blade Runner, we'll just give you a brief thing here, in that uh, a Blade Runner is literally like like a cop in a way who has to chase down uh, robots that look like humans. They're called replicants. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were created to basically be slaves and do our bidding, whether it's for pleasure or for work. And um, The but, slave class. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Again. But they're very intelligent. Still. As intelligent as the people who made them. And they started to rebel. Yeah. So upon realizing that, the human race went, oh shit. And basically relegated them to living on uh, outside colonies on different planets. And basically said, hey, if you try returning to Earth, we're going to kill you. Except they don't call it killing. They call it retiring. You know. Yes. Nice way of putting it. Which is also, incidentally, I think the same thing that they said in, um, what's the movie we just saw with Carrie? What's her face? The British movie. Based on the book. Never Let Me Go? Yes. Never Let Me Go. Carrie Mulligan. Yes. Yeah, same thing. Interesting. Death is retirement. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is that... Um, what? You're looking funny. Yeah, go ahead. Make your point. Okay. I forgot. You were talking about replicants? I forgot the, well, it's, what it was. Go ahead. The main, the main thing that everyone talks about in this movie, since we don't have a lot of time, is... Is Harrison Ford... A replicant. Is Deckard a replicant? I don't think he was. Okay. There's people on both sides. And the book that it's taken from, it's pretty um, evident that he is a human. But, um, and then the original film came out and a lot of people still thought he was a human. And then when um, really Scott went back and made the director's cut and he added the unicorn scene and he had a couple more other things. And then... A couple years later, after that, he came out and said that he thinks he's a replicant. What? Yes. So all the con- there's that's like the main thing people talk about when they talk about this movie is like, was Deckard a replicant all along? And then they point to like certain things throughout the movie, like you like to talk about the whole um, the eyes, the shiny eyes, the thing. red eye thing. Um. Because at one point, it looks like uh, Harrison Ford, or Deckard's eyes does the eye shiny thing when he's... I forget which one. One of the scenes he has with uh, Sean Young's character. Mm-hmm. With, you know, the one she, he likes to push around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the whole unicorn scene, he had, the, like, the unicorn memory or whatever. And then at the end of the, the, the movie, uh, Edward James Olmos' character drops the, like... Origami. Origami of the unicorn. I called him Origami Almost. Which Origami Almost? Yeah. Nice. Because I kept forgetting, because with the blue eyes, he, and he didn't look anything like himself. And, and almost his character, like, throughout the film, kind of, you're like, why does he, why is he so mean to uh, Deckard? Like, yeah. there's, there's always, like, this agitation he seemed to have, and you're like, maybe because he's a, you know, he's actually a replicant. I, oh, I, okay, I'm going to give you a supporting argument to that. How did he manage to climb a wall with two broken fingers? Only a replicant can probably do that. Like the the other Climb replicant. A wall. I thought he helped him up. That was later, but he at first when he was trying to get away from him, he climbed like a whole. St- it was like rock climbing. On he like climbed up entirely by himself, and he even clenched something and picked it up. And I watched, and I, and I like hit you on your side. Like look at that. 
he held something with both hands and he didn't like hold his two fingers out as he did later by the way at that at that point they were already broken and he was just like you know kicking ass and taking names and i was like uh-oh when as a kid i was like uh he's getting his ass beat up by a bunch of replicants like if he's a replicant he must be like the sorriest replicant ever first generation he's a different generation that you know can Gets his ass beat. Yeah, he's still alive. Daryl Hannah's characters and all the rest that. of them all die. Um, or no, retire. But yeah. by the way, um, people smoke indoors in 2019. Sure. Really. Sure. They barely do it now. They have advanced smoking apparatuses. Maybe I don't know. In the future. Well, uh, uh. You know what I mostly synth. learned from both of these movies, but and it was just kind of sealed for me in this one. Don't trust crazy blue-eyed guys. Like the end, the main replicant who's trying to kill Harrison Ford has these bright blue eyes that are very sinistery as well. So does, by the way, um, Origami almost in this and other contexts. But I think it's like a thing. Don't trust crazy blue-eyed guys. Rucker Howard. You talking about Rucker Howard? Is that the replicant? the blonde guy? Yeah. Yeah. He was, like, set up as, like, the Christ-like feature of the, the guy. Like, yeah, I know, but he was cray-cray. Cray-cray? Cray-cray. He was crazy. A little bit. But he saved uh, Deckard at the end. He, Which was weird, because sac- I was like, why did you do that? Because he sacrificed, you know, like like Jesus, he sacrificed himself for... But then why challenge him in the first place? And he was like, I'll give you a head start, and then break his fingers and do all those horrible things. Jesus doesn't break people's fingers. True, he doesn't. He gets with his other Jesus friends, does a can can. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're talking about scary ceramic Jesus again, aren't you? <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh man. So do you do you think he was a replicant? Deckard? I think that you gave a compelling argument, but I'm still gonna err on the side of thinking that he was not. Harrison Ford was like, he's not, he's not, he's a human. And I I understand his argument. For him being human because if he was a replicant, like his whole his whole character arc of kind of recognizing his humanity by, you know, chasing these replicants who even though they're replicants, they're almost more human than, you know, actual humans on that were left on Earth. That's true. Like you have to recognize that you know, that life is so fleeting aka you only have four years to live to actually live life to the fullest yeah i robot and blah 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 i robot (laughs) talking about something that blade runner wrought that was horrible love (laughs) there's ai ai did you hear uh artificial intelligence what yeah i don't think with Haley joe osman no jude law no Oh, we have to watch AI. Okay. Wow. Is it dystopian like Vanilla Sky? (laughs) Oh, Vanilla Sky, my favorite dystopian film. By the way, I never actually saw 1984 either. I read the book, but I never saw the movie. It's not bad. It's not bad. Is it like Dark City? No, it's not like Dark City. Oh, then I'd probably like it. Okay. So your your dystopian double feature. What so what would be your final grade for Blade Runner? C. The director's cut. C. Wow. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it. It was okay. I should. Uh, I'll, I'll find 
because I only have the director's cut. Well, I'll find the um, the original theatrical, the, the narration, just so you can understand how like. <laughs> it's seriously like that. You're just like. <sighs> you, can t- you can tell that he did not want to read the narration. Like. <laughs> There's a lot of synth in this too. Synth, synth, synth is very futuristic, man. No, it's not. It's not? No. It's, like, modern now in the much way that we're into postmodern stuff in actual life, but that was, like, just plain modern crap. Like, Art Deco was supposed to be futuristic as well. And then look. So it needed to be more Beethoven-y? Classic with a twist. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Like, um... More James Horner. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, what was the movie... Amadeus. Amadeus was very good at being modern, but classical. Amadeus, Amadeus. Yeah, yeah. Amadeus, Amadeus. Just that, that song? Amadeus, Amadeus. Or actual Amadeus music? No, the movie. <laughs> You've never seen Amadeus the movie? Yes, I have. You have? I saw it in the same film class that I saw Dark City in. Oh, congratulations. Thanks, I actually like that movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. Tom Holtz is great, that movie. F. Murray Abraham. Who? Never mind. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Well, that was fun. That was fun. Thanks for letting me pick the movies this week. Great choices. Uh, what are you going to pick next week? Would you like to give a hint to our audience? Um, no. I feel like we should give a little teaser out. We will soon be guesting on the Popcorn Mafia podcast with the lovely Gray Drake, who was with us a couple weeks ago. That's going to be exciting. It's going to be super fun. She, like... They do that like an actual, like, radio setup, too. I know. We have microphones and... It's going to be great. You can listen to Gray being intelligent and witty and Justin being intelligent and funny and me just basically being who I am, <laughs> pinging around the room. I'm going to drink a lot of coffee. I'm going to drink a lot of wine. You should drink a lot of wine? I think I should. <laughs> I can't wait for that. All right. Well, catch you on the flip side. This is Justin Winters and Justin McQueen signing off. Indeed. Sip, 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 sip. Wah, 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 wah. Wah, wah. I'm gonna rape you now. <laughs> is that